You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello there and welcome along to the week 16 edition of the OTI Podcast. My name is Colin Kelly. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland and uh, each and every week here I bring you the show. Each and every week I'm joined by a guest and I'm delighted that we'll be joined in just a couple of minutes by TJ Hernandez from 4 for 4. We'll be talking a little bit of DFS for week 16. We'll be talking about who you should be starting in your fantasy playoffs this week. And of course, we'll have some discussions about what will be heading into uh, next season and maybe some players what their valuations will be as we head to next draft season or whether we're looking at dynasty so lots of good stuff coming up to talk about in just a couple of minutes as always kicking off the show i like to say a little thank you obviously you've stuck with us here throughout the entire season thank you for tuning in to the oti podcast if you're listening on itunes or stitcher tune in whether you're streaming it on the overtimeireland.com website whatever way you do it if it's your on your favorite podcast device uh, do give us a rating and a comment if you can do so on that device of course on itunes that really helps us out as well as stitcher and uh, helps us find new listeners helps us grow the audience and it is very very much appreciated so at this time of the the holidays of course you can give us that gift give us the gift of a nice written and review and i will uh, appreciate that very very much it uh, is uh, more important to us than i think uh, you'll ever know as a listener it might seem like uh, maybe i'll do that next week but it really does uh, boost us up those rankings and uh, with the itunes algorithms and so on helps us find new listeners so much much appreciated if you could do that over this holiday season and of course it is the holiday season so happy holidays to all the listeners out there i hope you have a, a fantastic week here uh, whether you're traveling whether uh, you're going to meet your family whatever it is just i uh, hope everyone has a safe and prosperous time of the year and of course we're heading towards 2018 it's hard to believe 2017 is already nearly there and i haven't mentioned this and of course i always like to give a quick plug as well to all the affiliate links that are up there on overtimeireland.com head over to the recommended section you'll find links for amazon amazon uk audible different free trials that you can use you'll find your link there for the 10 percent off at nflshopeurope.com as well as the DraftKings sign-up link if you want to go through them. Uh, DraftKings have recently launched here in Ireland and uh, proud to be an affiliate of DraftKings. And of course, if you sign up using the code OTI, you will get a free uh, $3 entry into a contest with your first deposit. So head on over to DraftKings, use that uh, link to sign up with the OTI promo code. And then of course, that gets you that free $3. They kick a little bit back here to OTI and it is very much once again appreciated. So let's get straight into it. And I'm delighted now that I am joined on the show by tj hernandez who you can follow on twitter at tj hernandez he is the co-founder at roster coach he is also uh, the associate editor at 444football.com a fantastic uh, you know piece of uh, knowledge that you can use each and every week to, to help you for your fantasy football lineups of course at 444 and of course as well a co-host of the dfs mvp podcast so uh, tj welcome back to the oti podcast yeah colin thanks for having me buddy uh I, th- I think I've been on four or five times now. I'm trying to become a, a honorary Irishman, if that's possible. <laughs> I think uh, I think part of the the draw I have with my guests uh, when I started out anyway was yeah, let's go on this. Uh, you know, somebody I know is Irish. Some of my ancestors are Irish. Uh, let's go on and talk to this Irish guy. And then thankfully, you've all uh, come back on time and time again. And I think it is your maybe your fifth or sixth time. So obviously, uh, it's good. To, it's good that you keep coming on and uh, <laughs> you haven't got tired of me yet. And no, maybe... no, I love coming on. <laughs> So obviously we're at uh, 
week 16 now, but looking back mm-hmm. uh, just before we get into it, looking back at week 15, it was a, a bit of a weird one. We had Jaguars uh, fullback Tommy Bohannon rushing for uh, two times for two yards and two touchdowns. So that was probably my uh, biggest uh, one of the week then we, for the Jaguars as well. We've seen Minkins grab two touchdowns. I know I was all over D.D. Westbrook last week in DFS and it just didn't go to the, the wide receiver that we wanted there in Jacksonville. But uh, week 15 was a weird one. What was uh, your weirdest moment of week 15? Yeah, that was weird, the Jaguars game. But, I mean, I, I kind of like those weeks where, especially when, when there's a couple chalky plays that, that bust, but they still have the opportunity. That that sets up well a lot of times for the next week just because people are going to be be cold on those players. And you have, like, the Jaguars going back to uh, to a pretty good matchup against the 49ers. So I, I wouldn't shy away from someone like Didi. But I think the one that, that caught me off guard was uh, definitely not the fact that Seattle lost to the Rams, but how they lost, just the the pummeling that they took. I don't think anyone expected that, especially since uh, Seattle ha- has kind of caught fire on offense of late. I mean, just a, a week before that, they, they put up 24 on the Jaguars defense, which is one of the best defenses in the league. Granted, they lost that game, but uh, again, I, I think that is a spot where we've We've seen Seattle struggle against LA in the past, obviously not to that extent, but it's just a, a team that they've generally had fits with for whatever reason. And I, I think, like I talked about people uh, being worried about like the Jaguars and going back to them this week, I think a lot of owners might uh, be shying away from Seattle offense as a whole. But uh, I mean, Russell Wilson is, is a guy that has put up 20 points. Uh, only Cam Newton's put up 20 points more than, than Russell Wilson this year. And they're in a pretty good spot against a Dallas defense that uh, struggles a little bit against the pass. And I think people are going to be a, a lot more hyped on, on Dallas this week, getting Ezekiel Elliott back, forgetting that, you know, he got an electric Russ on that other side. So I, I like going back to Russell Wilson this week too, after they got uh, what pretty good. Yeah, obviously, when we're looking at games, you know, hindsight can be twenty twenty each and every week. But uh, you know, recency bias is one of the the biggest, you know failures for a lot of fantasy owners when you mm-hmm. just see something happen the week before and you either go all in on that player or you go all the way against that player you have to just try and take it uh, you know as a, a sample size and work through it from that perspective you mentioned the seattle seahawks in there uh, they just really did not turn up against this rams team from the very first moment of that game but obviously the rams put up 42 points uh, then we look at jared goff i don't know if you know off the top of your head but how many if a team puts up 42 points how many passing yards do you expect a quarterback with 66.7 completion percentage to have yeah i don't know what the expectation would be i would assume it'd be well over 300 or 350 but obviously we saw we saw uh Gurley just running all over the place so we probably had a, a little depressed passing numbers than we would expect there yeah 120 yards passing for yeah. Jared Goff so just just if you if you had a woke up you've seen the score and then you go into to check the box score you'd be a little bit surprised with that he did pass for two touchdowns and had one interception but you mentioned that uh, Todd Gurley obviously absolutely running away with it and then of course we have Antonio Brown uh, the kind of we've had just so many injuries this season and Antonio Brown now missing uh, for the next two weeks anyway and of course if you're in uh, the fantasy playoffs uh, and you're in the finals and you've had Antonio Brown 
obviously he is not going to be there for you this week. He's expected back, as I mentioned, for the postseason. Uh, and, you know, it's just uh, so, so disappointing. But with him sidelined with that partially torn calf muscle, uh, you know, we see Martavis Bryant and Juju Schuster. They're playing against the Texans defense, who have been uh, very susceptible this uh, season, you know, after they lost uh, so many key parts, including J.J. Watt early in the season. So uh, they're playing on Christmas Day against the Texans. Is he, uh, is Martavis Bryant, Juju Smith, Schuster uh, ways that you're looking this week uh, in DFS? Yeah, on those short slates especially, we have uh, we have some really weird games. They they haven't put out a Christmas Day slate yet, but the the Saturday only slate, uh, we got two teams favored by I think over a, a touchdown or six points and thirteen points for the Ravens. But when Antonio Brown went out, Martavis Bryant more or less maintained his snap share and it was it was Juju Smith-Schuster that saw the big uptick in snaps so I think a lot of people are probably just going to look to something like uh, targets or, or red zone targets or something like that and grade them a little bit equally but uh, Juju's the one that saw the the really big bump in at least uh, snap share last week and I do want to go back to that point you made about the Rams because it is just kind of a, a funny stat to, to look at when you saw how many points they scored but I think one thing that is is going to go overlooked is the fact that uh, they didn't pass a lot, but Robert Woods came back after a two or three week injury and and saw 30% of the targets. If we go back to his two games before his injury, that's three games in a row that he's seen at least 28% of the Rams target. So it was just seven targets. He did score a touchdown, but again, his target share in that offense uh, pretty much been climbing since week one. And a lot of people will be going back to Gurley, but I really like Robert Woods this week too. Yeah, he's somebody I looked into a little bit this week. And, uh, you know, last week I was very, very interested in having him in the lineup. But just coming back off that injury, I thought I would wait one week. I only had him in a couple of lineups. So uh, I think just, uh, you know, the rapport is definitely there with him and Jared Goff. And I mentioned as well, you know, how limited they were in the passing game, just because pretty much they were blowing out the Seahawks the whole way through and they let Todd Gurley kind of run the show from that perspective. So uh, I think this week we'll see a little bit more in the pass game. And again, playing against the Titans, there's definitely an option to uh, have a nice little run against them with uh, Antonio Brown obviously his season and the regular season is now finished but it is his fifth straight 100 catch campaign I believe that he is the only wide receiver to do that in NFL history so his uh, run of dominance over the last five years I've mentioned it on the last five or six shows has just been absolutely insane somebody who I was hoping would come back and have a, a really dominant run to finish the season but uh, it hasn't materialized here was Aaron Rodgers he returned the Packers lost and uh it was just his fourth three interception uh, game of his career, the first since 2009. So with the season pretty much over now for the Packers with uh, that Falcons win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Monday Night Football, uh, Aaron Rodgers was moved back to IR. Brett, Brett Hundley will start Week 16 in what is a tough matchup against uh, the Minnesota Vikings, who obviously are now trying to get one of those top seeds in the NFC. And it's an interesting move, obviously, with Rodgers, that now you can move a healthy player who well who was healthy enough to play last week back onto IR. It's a, a new rule with the NFL. You can work the IR system at this stage of the season, but it's strange now that you can put that healthy player who was healthy enough to play last week but isn't healthy enough now to, to play the last two weeks of the season. So Brett Hundley comes in, uh, you know, and Devontae Adams as well, likely to miss this week, suffered a concussion on that hit from Thomas Davis and Davis was suspended for two games it's now cut down to one game and a really really nasty hit there after one of those uh, Aaron Rodgers interceptions so it is his third concussion as a pro and uh, all three have come since last October you'll remember the one as well against the Chicago Bears uh, this earlier this season so um, you know I, I think it makes sense for them to shut him down for the rest of the year 
and he is a free agent this off season. So I'm gonna it's a, a long kind of winded question, but obviously Brett Hunley there this week are we kinda very concerned in this matchup obviously going up against the Minnesota Vikings it's a, it's a tough one to start those Packers and then uh, do you think with Devante Adams long term do you think that he's going to be staying around at the Packers the Packers make that move and you know looking into 2018 where do you see him kind of fitting into rankings as a, a wide receiver one yeah I mean I, I think you pretty much have to to lock him into a, a wide receiver one long term assuming he stays with the Packers I mean it's it's pretty clear at this point that Jordy Nelson has, has lost a step I mean traditionally he's been uh, Aaron Rodgers favorite target he being Jordy Nelson but uh, towards the end of, of last year we saw Devontae Adams really coming on exceeding uh, Jordy Nelson as the, the wide receiver one at least in terms of targets and then even before uh, Brett Hundley took over this year I mean Devontae Adams was clearly Hunley's favorite receiver, but Adams was edging out Jordy in targets and with Aaron Rodgers in her center and actually almost doubled up uh, Jordy Nelson in red zone targets through uh, through the first five games of the season. So I think when you have a, a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers and he has that target that he loves, probably they're going to want to keep uh, Devontae Adams around. Everything else is kind of uh, ancillary, movable pieces. Like I said, I don't think they're going to be relying on Jordy too much Randall Cobb is one of uh, he, he's always worked well with uh, with Aaron Rodgers but I don't think he's a guy that they feel like they need to lock in so uh, my initial guess would be that Adam sticks as, as a wide receiver one with Green Bay and obviously that keeps him as a fantasy wide receiver one if for some reason he doesn't stick around with the team uh, I think one of the teams that probably is going to make a push for a free agent wide receiver is going to be the 49ers I've seen Devontae Adams uh, come up in as a, as a possibility maybe just kind of people looking for like we're doing now or maybe someone like Allen Robinson going to the Niners but if uh, if if they keep going like like they look with Garoppolo then uh, Adams could be a fit there but always with receivers you you don't often want to see them move teams that's generally a, a downgrade for wide receiver at least in their first year um, especially if it's not clear what their their new role is going to be so uh, as a fantasy owner I would like to see Adams stay with Green Bay yeah, I think he, uh, I think he will stay. And I think, you know, the Packers, uh, tend to like to keep those players that they draft. And I think they'll make a push to, to keep them there. The concussions are obviously going to be a concern for them at this point in his career, uh, as he is, uh, so young and they'll be offering up so, so much money. And, uh, I seen today with, uh, Jordy Nelson that if he is cut by the Packers this offseason, it would save the Packers $10 million against the cap. So there is, you know, all the incentive there to do that. Uh, speaking of teams who lost this past week, including the Green Bay Packers, <laughs> Hugh Jackson is now one of 29 as the head coach of the Cleveland Browns is that good is there any way you can spend that as a positive <laughs> I don't that the that team man after firing Sashi and uh, all the the talk of of staying insulated in the cocoon I mean it's just hard to figure out what that team's even doing they, they have a lot of great offensive pieces it'd be really nice to see them bring in a, a coach that's uh, willing to use those pieces like they should Duke Johnson's one of the most explosive running backs. We all know Josh Gordon was is great when he's on the field, and he's the one uh, player that has been seeing the workload that we'd expect. Thirty percent of the targets in in two of his three games, but still just uh, an ugly team. Hopefully, something they they move around uh, next year. But I mean, just kind of a a lost cause at this point <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just uh, it has not been good uh, moving on to a team that wins pretty much every week and that is the new england patriots rex burkhead 
did injure his knee against the Steelers this week. It looked like it could be a major injury, but luckily he has avoided uh, you know a serious injury, namely ACL damage. His status for Week 16 and Week 17 is uh, looking like he's very unlikely to be involved. And of course, if they clinch that first round bye, we give him an extra week to rest up, and he should be back in for the playoffs. So, in his absence, Dion Lewis should resume the, the goal line duties, and we've seen Mike Gillisley inactive for a long, long time uh, over over the pretty much over the last six or seven weeks he should return to the game day roster and not be an active James White should see more targets but James White has been uh, limited or uh, a non-participant in practice so far this week so I think this week is a, a huge potential uh, boom matchup for Dion Lewis as they get the bills in a game that they should win at home so your thoughts can in the next two uh, weeks and particularly actually this week really is what we're looking at in DFS do you think Dion Lewis could be one of the, the value options there at the running back position? Yeah, with, with Burkhead out last week, Lewis saw 55% of the Patriots snaps, 67% of the touches, and that's just not a touch share that, that we've seen any Patriots running back really uh, command this year. I know people are going to look to Gillisley, look back all the way to week one, remember that three-touchdown game, and and think that now that he's active, maybe uh, he'll, he'll replace some of those goal line touches for Burkhead, but uh, Belichick's not a coach that is just going to let a player out of the doghouse. He's being activated out of, out of pure need at this point because of an injury i don't know that automatically means he's going to get a uh, a relevant touch share i mean when belichick uh makes someone inactive for that long that's a a pretty clear sign of of what they want to do on this offense so yeah uh, Deion lewis is definitely the guy that i'm i'm hoping will will pop right now i mean they have a a really good matchup against a a buffalo defense that ranks 31st against running backs when adjusted for strength of schedule they've they've allowed the most uh touchdowns to opposing running backs second most rushing yards to running backs so uh, a really good spot this week and uh if if i had to bet i would say Deion lewis is the guy to go after but you know you always you always have the unknown with this patriots backfield and bill belichick on any given week uh one of the running backs can can come out in a unsurpri- in a surprising way but uh uh yeah Dion is the guy i'm looking at yeah, a little bit of work up on the road of his website uh, for tomorrow, and uh, I read a little bit about Dion Lewis as one of the, the DFS options for this week, and you, you crushed it with those uh, two two stats that you mentioned. They were the ones I was going to bring up based on the, the Buffalo defense, so I think there's a, a nice match up there, and I mentioned as well James White, if he is to be limited in this game, it just... Uh, boosts up that workload as well because we all know that Mike Gillisley isn't catching too many balls out of the backfield so looking forward to see what that brings uh, this coming week. Uh, the Chargers placed Hunter Henry uh, on injured reserve in his season. He, he suffered a small kidney laceration and Saturday's loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. The first question I have on this is is there such thing as a small kidney laceration? I I've, I don't want to find out if there is. I mean, I'd rather not have any cuts in my organs if uh, given the choice. So I, I don't know. He's on the IR, so I don't think it's that small. Yeah, so uh, that was the first thing. I think just a kidney laceration would be fine when we're describing this. And we remember Keenan Allen a few years ago. I think it was a, was it a kidney laceration he had as well when he missed part of the season? I think it might have been. I'm not sure. But, yeah, again, just messing with broken bones and, and organs doesn't sound fun. Yeah, and uh, of course then people got into the narrative that uh, Keenan Allen was injury-prone with uh, the, that lacerated uh, <laughs> yeah. kidney. So, But uh, with Henry, uh, he took quite a step forward in his uh, sophomore season. Obviously there was a, a strange run kind of from week maybe three to week seven where he just pretty mm-hmm. much disappeared and he was playing limited snaps, he was getting limited targets. But uh, over the season he had 63 uh, targets, 45 catches, 579 yards and four touchdowns over those 14 games. So in a second season as a tight end, that is all very good production. But 
Now, without him this week, uh, the Chargers will turn to uh, Antonio Gates, who caught a touchdown this past week as well. But I think uh, we can all be excited about Hunter Henry in 2018. But any interest in Antonio Gates for uh, DFS purposes this week? Yeah, I think just because the the Chargers are in a, a really good spot against a really bad Jets passing defense, Henry and Gates have combined for 100 targets this year. They've combined for over 20 red zone targets, but uh, Hunter Henry has kind of doubled up Gates in both of those categories and, and doubled him up in snaps as well over the course of the entire season. So I don't know that Gates automatically comes in and, and plays something like 80 or 90% of the snaps. I mean, the, the Chargers still have... Uh, three wide receivers that they could roll out and, and be pretty comfortable with in Keenan Allen, Tyro Williams, and Travis Benjamin. And and Tyro Williams has been coming on of late uh, 140 yards two weeks ago, I think. And the Jets are a little more, more vulnerable uh, on the boundaries than they are in the interior. So I don't know if the, the Chargers necessarily feel like they need to attack with the tight end in this game. So yeah, they are going to uh, put up some some pretty good numbers. I, I do like Rivers as a GPP quarterback, so attaching Gates to him in those spots is a good play. But uh, there, there are a couple other punt plays that I think I might rather go to than Gates this week. I think a lot of people are just going to look at the Henry injury and automatically assume that, that Gates absorbs all all of that work but with with pass catchers it's it's not like running backs where you just plug in the the 20 touches or 20 uh 20 carries or whatever with pass catchers it sometimes those targets get spread through uh other positions rather than just the guy that's stepping in for the injured player yeah i i tend to agree with you on this and i think as well with rivers we are not with rivers with uh, gates we've seen how much he's slowing down but in the red zone he's still that huge body i think we're going to be looking at him in the red zone particularly from the five yard line and end to get you know a passing touchdown that way i can't see him uh, you know getting 10 targets over the game and picking up 80 yards i just don't think that day is there anymore for antonio gates so it's uh, pretty much uh, touchdown or bust still even with the current situation there so moving on to another tight end who uh, you know is showing a little bit of his age and he has had a number of injuries this season but he bounced back in a major way this past week that was greg olsen against the packers nine receptions 116 uh, total yards and one touchdown including a 30-yard touchdown and just an incredible blow in coverage by the Packers and that and uh, I think we're going to see Dom Capers back on that hot seat very quickly I think uh, <laughs> yeah. maybe this is the season where that all runs out for him as defensive coordinator but uh, obviously you know his uh, run of a thousand yard seasons is long gone but uh, he could still end the year on a nice hot streak here they get the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this week in week 16 and uh, they have had their struggles all season long so is Olsen uh, somebody that you're interested in this week but obviously it's a huge price increase uh, in, in DFS yeah I think you have to be interested in him because he saw so many targets 12 targets last week uh, a, a little bit of that I think was a function of how the Packers decided to uh, play against the Panthers. The the Packers have been uh, pretty vulnerable to some deep passes, and they knew uh, Demare Bird was going to be active. And he's a, he's a guy that can get down the field really quick. And Funches is a big body that uh, the that Cam Newton can throw it up to. But they put Demarius Randall on um, on Devin Funches last week, and Randall is a is a cornerback that's. Pl- 
played pretty decent over the past couple weeks. He shadowed Josh Gordon two weeks ago and and limited Gordon uh, after Gordon scored an early touchdown. So I think maybe that might have had something to do with it. And Greg Olson still didn't see a red zone target last week. All 12 of his targets came from outside the red zone while uh, Funchess maintained that red zone share that he's seen since uh, Benjamin was traded. So yes, I do like Olson, but I, I think maybe last week might have been just a little bit of an outlier with the way the, the Packers were playing and, and a allowing some of the uh, shorter uh, air yard passes. And I, I think this week Funches bounces back against a, a Tampa Bay secondary that's allowed the the most catches and most yards to opposing receivers. So, I mean, Olsen's still a guy like you. You're going to attack this entire Panthers offense this week. I just don't know if he comes on as strong as he did last week. Yeah, and obviously uh, Cam Newton finished last week as the number one overall scoring quarterback, so uh, I guess we got to touch on him here, and obviously you mentioned Funches as well. Uh, didn't have the big week, and he was a pretty chalky play last week in both cash games and in uh, the GPPs, and he was somebody I was interested in. But you mentioned uh, earlier in the show that people might move away from some players when they have that bad week, and I think a lot of people might have the same feeling this week with Devin Funches, but I still think that uh, a night, he's a nice play this week to, to team up with Cam Newton. Uh, are you interested uh, in playing Newton again this week? week and of course are you interested in getting back on board that uh, Funches bandwagon yeah I'm back on Funches for all the reasons I mentioned like I said the, the Demarius Randall effect probably went a, a little bit unnoticed uh, I, I think he'll bounce back against this really bad Buccaneers secondary and and Cam Newton he's pretty much the quarterback one again this week I was talking about it on uh, the DFS MVP podcast with Chris Raybon how you could argue that Cam Newton's current stretch over the past five or six games is even better than his MVP season a couple uh, years ago because he's he's passing the ball so efficiently. That's even when he was dominating the league in that Super Bowl year, he was still throwing quite a few interceptions. Passes weren't uh, extremely accurate, just never been that efficient. But uh, top three in fantasy points per attempt over the past six weeks, only one interception. And I think a lot of that has to do with the addition of Christian McCaffrey, giving him some, some easier throws across the middle uh, just a huge part of that passing offense and that's really helped Cam uh, calm down and obviously you're always getting the rushing upside from him yeah and with uh, Cam I think it's the case he, he did start the season really really poorly and a lot of times when a player starts really really good or starts really really poorly that perception gets locked into the player or the, the fantasy player or the football watcher's mind for a lot longer in the season and obviously with him starting bad people probably still think that Cam Newton isn't playing very well but as you mentioned uh, his game has elevated significantly over the last couple of weeks and that has been reflected in fantasy numbers and of course in his uh, play in real life and I don't know if you've seen it but on the touchdown pass he threw to McCaffrey this past week uh, he was having a little bit of fun with Clay Matthews where Matthews called out that it was going to be a wheel route and then uh, that Cam said that oh you're watching that game tape and pointed at him yeah. and he said where do you see did you see it he said where do you see he this he said watch this or something yeah, yeah. where do you see this yeah that and, was great uh, so then uh, obviously they, they, the Packers kind of have set up to try and stop the wheel route from McCaffrey out of the backfield and then he cuts uh, inside again on a slant and it's just a, a little touchdown out of the backfield so uh, just uh, seems to be having fun and he seems to be as you mentioned back in that zone that he was when he got that MVP two years ago just the he had that swagger back then it looked like he had lost it for part of the last season and into the start of the season but playing very very well somebody who didn't have much swagger this past week was Russell Wilson uh, he took seven sacks as the Seahawks really went off the rails we kind of touched on the game and the result of it but uh, with them moving forward uh, you know Wilson should have a great chance to get back on track this week against the Cowboys are you getting straight back in you kind of hinted at it at the start of the show yeah I, I just like the from the 
standpoint of the Seahawks are going to be a team that isn't going to roll over. Like I mentioned, Russell Wilson, even with that bad offensive line, he's he's been one of the the highest ceiling quarterbacks bringing in those 20-point games this year. And uh, again, a lot of that has to do with his scrambling. He is behind that bad offensive line, but he just creates plays. He isn't zeroed in on on any one receiver, which is, is bad for fantasy terms in terms of his pass catchers. But uh, for Russell Wilson, it's really good because he doesn't he's not necessarily relying on any one player to get it done. We've seen Paul Richardson ascending the past couple weeks, uh, led the team in targets the last two weeks, second on the team in targets in uh in in red inside the red zone and the Seahawks are just a team that's that's going to throw a ball a ton second highest red zone passing rate in the league so when they have those chances to score it's going to be Russell Wilson uh he's accounted for I think all but one of their touchdowns this year so when they do score he has a ton of upside yeah and uh, with uh, the Seahawks it has been hard to uh, kind of predict who is that you know who's going to catch those touchdowns on a weekly basis you mentioned Paul Richardson getting the target share we've seen Jimmy Graham have a few big games uh, we haven't really seen a lot from Doug Baldwin over the last couple of weeks but do you see uh, who do you see if you were having a stack an option in this game with Wilson who are you looking to uh, pen him against or pen him with yeah, I, I think you have to have some Jimmy Graham shares just because he dominates red zone targets so much, the most red zone targets in the league. But like I mentioned, Paul Richardson leading the team in targets the last two games, and uh, the Cowboys struggle a little more against wide receivers than they do against tight ends. So I'm going to follow that recent trend in targets and, and go after Paul Richardson, especially because he is significantly cheaper than Doug Baldwin. I think probably the common perception is still that Baldwin's the wide receiver one, but I think him and Richardson are probably neck and neck at this point. Yeah, I think that's a, a fair uh, assessment. And then when you're going dropping down and you know the salary that he's going to dictate this week, I think that is a good option. We also, when we touched on Cam, we probably should have mentioned as well going up against the Buccaneers who have struggled so much with the running back this season and the ability for Cam Newton to run and you know so many designed runs called in games as well. I think that is just a huge factor that he's even more valuable this week than he has even been uh, in recent weeks uh, against some teams that maybe are a little bit better against the run. Uh, Todd Gurley had four touchdowns this past week. We we have touched on this game obviously, but. Uh, uh, you know, before the game, Sean McVay talked about getting Gurley more involved, and obviously uh, he really did do that this week. He had not received 20 carries in seven games, and he, he did that in this game. He had 152 yards, three touchdowns on the ground, 28 yards, and one touchdown through the air. He has 1,817 yards from scrimmage on the season, 17 touchdowns, and two games remaining. So the next two matchups are at Tennessee and versus San Francisco. So this could just be... Uh, and it really could be an all-time season if, if Gurley finishes as one out strong. Yeah, I mean, this week I, I'm I'm actually wondering if the Rams could put up another game like they did like they did last week against the Seahawks. Tennessee's a team that I think probably has a, a record that's the least reflective of their skill. I think they're probably the the worst team with a winning record in the league. We saw them get beat by San Francisco last week, and and we know that the Rams are just a much more uh, dynamic offense than than the 49ers. And and a lot of the of why Gurley hasn't seen the the huge rushing numbers is. Um, one, because he's just been so involved in the passing game, he's getting his touches elsewhere. So not necessarily, obviously not concerned about workload with Gurley, but the upside with Gurley is those touches inside the 10. Only Le'Veon Bell has more opportunities uh, 
receptions or uh, rushes than Todd Gurley, and, and Gurley's converting those at a, at a very high rate. So, uh, yeah, I definitely think he can uh, can end on a huge note. I don't know the exact playoff scenario. I think that Rams are probably going to have to play for seeding going into Week 17. I would have to double-check that, but I know there are quite a few teams that could be in a position where they don't uh, need to play their starters in Week 17. Yeah, it'll depend obviously on how they do this week and how the, the Vikings do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we'll see how that all shakes out and worry about that when it comes to it next week. But, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, Goff and Woods earlier, and I'm interested in stacking them this week in DFS. But, you know, if you can fit it into your lineup and you mentioned the work that uh, Gurley is getting through the air, you can also, you know, you could have a treble stack there and have the three of those in because there is room for all of them against this Titans defense who, looking back to last week, Jimmy Garoppolo, who had another 300 yard day, shredded them for 389 or 381 yards. So there is the the opportunity there to to put up a lot of air yards uh, on this team. Uh, obviously, with Garoppolo under center, the 49ers moved to three and zero with him uh, in there in the lineup, and he hasn't been afraid to to target in tight windows and attempt some unorthodox throws. I've been very impressed with what I've seen so far, and uh, he's just playing with confidence. You wouldn't see even from somebody making their fifth start in the league. So the 49ers look to have uh, made a nice uh, move in that trade, and he just hasn't been getting the passing touchdowns in these games. But if he can start up with them, and he could be a, a really really good fantasy quarterback what's your uh, thoughts on him and his outlook this week yeah i mean i I think probably the they're gonna pump the brakes a little bit on that success against the jaguars i mean jaguars have (laughs) their 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 defense is just so dominant and and even if jaguars do come in and and have a great game and garoppolo struggles that doesn't mean uh that garoppolo's bad it's just jacksonville's been doing that to to a a ton of offenses this year not even just their secondary with uh jalen ramsey and aj bouillet but their their front seven's been getting after the quarterback they lead the league and um adjusted sack rate this year and that obviously helps those cornerbacks that much more they the uh, Niners have uh, you know they have some decent pieces Trent Taylor's been playing well Marquise Goodwin but but no one that's going to challenge those DBs uh, like uh, like a DeAndre Hopkins or an Antonio Brown has yeah, I think uh, you know definitely going to be the, it's, it's, it's the worst matchup in the league for any team going up against that Jaguars uh, defense. There's no doubt about it. Just uh, on the topic of the 49ers, Marcus Goodwin, who never posted more than 431 yards in a season with the Bell, has 319 yards in those three games with Jimmy Garoppolo. So, uh, you know, he, he's having a nice rapport there. And I think Marquise Goodwin's somebody to watch for heading into next season. I think he's uh, you know showing some nice improvement this year, and I think he could be in for a nice role. And obviously, you mentioned the possibility of them getting another, uh, a more number one one wide receiver there's somebody like of uh, Devontae Adams or Alan Robinson I think that would only help Goodwin because I don't think he's a primary number one receiver but I think if he was in a, a secondary role he could have a really really nice year next year when we're looking at uh, Nick Foles obviously Carson Wentz uh, has gone out for the season but Foles had a, a really really nice game this past week averaging six point two four yards per attempt he absolutely tore apart the Giants for four scores and he was really uh, you know clinical in the red zone avoided any major errors so uh is, is some appealing matchups going up here against the Raiders and the Cowboys? Uh, you know, I think it's going to be tough for them, I think, to get all the way to the Super Bowl, but they could uh, do so if they get that bye coming up. But uh, your thoughts on them this week and uh, DFS, uh, pretty much over the last two weeks of the season, uh, do you think he's somebody to buy into? 
Yeah, I mean, last week Foles is is a guy that uh, I wasn't shying away from, even though he was getting his first start of the season, just because the Giants have been uh, horrific and pretty much every aspect, especially of late with with a few injuries. No teams allowed more uh, twenty point fantasy games to opposing quarterbacks than the Giants this year. So wasn't surprised to see Foles have a really good game uh, this week. And and the Raiders have been similarly bad against the past. They had a, a pretty decent game against Dak last week, but. Uh, uh, Philadelphia is favored by nine at home, and they're a team that has the weapons to uh, convert a lot of passes in the red zone into touchdowns. And I think that's a big reason we've seen uh, success from both Foles and Wentz is because guys like Alshon and Ertz are, are great red zone targets, and that's a spot where uh, the Raiders have struggled quite a bit through the air. So I uh, wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Foles have another decent game. I mean, we have a ton of good uh, quarterback options. and near the the top of pricing this week so it's going to be hard to have a, a ton of foals exposure uh whereas last week pain pain down in a couple spots made more sense but i think if you are trying to get to some uh exp- like double up on expensive running backs or double up on expensive receivers i think foals is a fine option yeah a couple more questions here as we wrap up we mentioned obviously the 49ers getting the jaguars but that means the jaguars are getting the 49ers <laughs> marquis lee suffered a high ankle sprain this week so he's gonna be sidelined as well for the rest of the regular season uh, they're likely to play in the wild card round so there's possibly could be back for that uh, keelan cole and jalen mickens really stepped up last week you know when he went down i thought oh yes this is gonna be nice for my dd westbrook shares this week but uh, it didn't work out that way and uh Cole and Minkins uh, really just kind of ran the show from there. Two touchdowns for Minkins. I think uh, Keelan Cole had like 184 yards. I don't have it written down in front of me, but a really big uh, day for him. But we'll see. I think, again, it's going to be a case of, uh, you know, people thought they got burned last week by Westbrook. I think they'll probably shy away from him. Are you going, are you going back in on uh, DD again? Yeah, I think you can go back to, to DD and Keelan Cole. I mean, the Jaden Mickens story is nice, but still played less than half the snap. Still played less than half the snaps, only, I think, 15% of the targets. Uh, whereas um, Cole had 32%, 33% of the targets last week. So that's definitely notable. And then DD Westbrook still played the most snaps on the team. It was just a spot where uh, they got ahead big, didn't target him too many times, did target him in the red zone. But I mean, he had three straight games with over a quarter of the team's targets. So that's not something that's just going to end overnight. They're, they're going to go back to DD. So I'm, I'm fine with DD and Cole. But the, the Mickens thing, I think that's definitely a, a fluke. And you got to follow the uh, you have to follow the volume. You have to follow the snaps and the and the target share. So um, I, I think that's that's something you don't want to uh, catch yourself chasing points on. Yeah, and after the game this week, uh, Jadavion Clowney was asked uh, his thoughts if Blake Bortles was improving. His answer was uh, he's trash. So obviously, uh, Jadavion Clowney's not a big fan of Blake Bortles, but uh, as as he has done over the last couple of weeks, he, you have to give uh, Bortles credit for what he's done kind of the last four or five weeks because, uh, you know, at the start of the season it looked like he was going to lose that job so he's turned that around pretty nicely somebody who I don't think they're going to lose their job but uh, you know he's, he's really starting to have a downturn here is Andy Dalton for the second mm-hmm. straight game he was benched down the, uh, the stretch of a blowout loss he I don't think you can say led, but he, he led the Bengals to uh, only two touchdowns uh, as they've been outscored 67-14 to 14 over the last two games. And in the process, he's completed just 49% of his throws. Uh, 2018, he will be 31 as we enter that campaign. So uh, it's hard to it's hard to have uh, real faith in him long term. And uh, with uh, AJ Green you know, and Andy Dalton, we kind of tied at the hip. It's very hard to uh, trust uh, AJ Green with the, the usage that Andy Dalton's shown him. Uh, what's your thoughts on the, the Bengals here? 
I think there's something in in the water in Ohio. Neither neither team's gonna have a head, neither team's gonna have a head coach next year or, or quarterback. Uh, but yeah, I mean th- this whole offense just outside of of AJ Green and and Giovanni Bernard the last couple of weeks really struggling. Uh, yeah, tying Dalton to Green obviously gives me some pause, but I think uh, even bigger concern this week is the fact that uh, Darius Slay will be shadowing AJ Green. We've seen uh, Slay playing playing really good despite the rest of that defense playing uh, playing pretty poorly against the pass. So I think some people might look at some raw numbers that the Lions have given up through the air lately, and maybe think Green's a good spot, especially since he's priced down a little bit on DraftKings. But uh, I'm I'm weighing that Slay uh, coverage a little bit more than than I think some people might and and pushing AJ Green down quite a bit especially with some some other receivers in, in his price range uh way more attractive if if you're in a a, a championship game and redraft I mean I it, it just depends what the rest of your roster looks like but I wouldn't I wouldn't hesitate to bench him uh if I have better options yeah, and uh, you mentioned Darius Slay. One of the, I think one of the coolest nicknames in the NFL at the defensive side of the ball, big play Slay. Yeah, it's you hear so that. good. <laughs> so, so many interceptions. And I just, every time I hear it, and I, I hope the Detroit Lions lose on a week-to-week basis being a Packers <laughs> fan, but I just think it's a, an absolutely awesome nickname, and he's been playing very, very solid stuff this season. Uh, the last match I'm going to get your thoughts on is the Falcons and the Saints they're playing this week and of course we mentioned the Panthers earlier playing the Bucks. obviously the Bucks are out of things but between these three teams it's kind of a, a three-way here to finish the season uh, and of course the uh, Falcons play the Panthers next week as well so it's going to be uh, really really interesting to see how it goes down there's possibility that the, all three teams uh, all three of these teams uh, make it in to the playoffs so uh, Falcons and the Saints I think it, uh, it could be a really really high scoring game I think a lot of people will be trying to stack this game uh, the player that I want to mention is uh, Michael Thomas because people are saying that he's been having a you know some people are probably kind of thinking he's having a down season after what he did as a rookie but he's only the second player ever to catch 90 passes through his first two career seasons the other one to do that was Odell Beckham uh, and his early start to his career he leads the Saints with 1,085 yards through the air he scored five touchdowns he's won in each of their last three games he had two TDs called back this past week and uh, he's just had a, a really really nice season and uh, this week as well uh, he uh, has two games left and he can surpass uh, Jimmy Gray Games, uh, club record of 99 catches in the season so he was the first Saints receiver to ever hit the 100 mark and I think the way he's been playing and how Drew Brees looks to him he's going to do that and he could possibly do it this week but out of this game who are you uh, looking to play this week? Yeah, I mean, I, I love what the Saints are doing. They've traditionally been one of those teams where you shy away from their pass catchers because Drew Brees spreads it around so much. But this year, it's pretty much just been uh, Thomas Ingram and Kamara. And and again, those are the guys you're going to be going back to. Kamara's the splash play guy. But I mean, Ingram's still uh, right there with touches, still right there in yards. They're pretty much neck for neck in, in, um, in snaps. So I depending on on how ownership shakes out i, I think uh ingram might end up being uh, a better play than camara but again i think they're probably going to end up being neck and neck thomas is the one receiver i'm i'm trying to lock into my lineups this week not just because of of uh, the volume that you you've mentioned it's just been uh consistent i think he sees eight he's seen eight targets in every game since uh since week six or seven and then over the past six weeks fifth in the league in red zone target so even though the saints do uh look at their running backs a lot in the red zone when they do throw it it's mostly to thomas and then 
on the other side of the ball, I know a lot of people are going to be looking to Julio Jones, but uh, Ken Crawley and Marcus Lattimore have been fantastic on the outside, and I, I think that could free things up for Mohamed Sanu in the slot a little bit. Uh, if Tevin Coleman returns, people are going to shy away from Devontae Freeman a little bit, even though he is still a fantastic value, but the Falcons have been slanting towards the run a lot more in recent weeks, so even if Coleman does return, I think Freeman has a, a really safe touch floor at the least. Yeah, and I'm just looking here on DraftKings, and you know, we mentioned Kamara, I mentioned Ingram. The two of those guys are the the fourth and fifth highest salaries this week at 8,300 and 8,100. Then you mentioned Freeman all the way down at 6,500. So they have been really leaning on the run over the last couple of weeks. And even if Coleman's back, I think Freeman still remains the the lead dog there. Gets a majority of the work. You mentioned Michael Thomas too, uh, the third highest option on the board this week at 7,600. And I made a bold prediction last week uh, on Rotoviz that he would be the the highest scoring wide receiver of the week. And should have been. He should have been because he had uh, two touchdowns called back one because his baby toe was out of bounds at the back of the end zone <laughs> yeah. and the other one because uh, I think his elbow landed at the like one uh, centimeter line <laughs> away from yeah. the goal line so I was all in on him with you last week too so I was I was hurting just as much so he could have really uh, really really gone off but you know sometimes when that happens and you're a week behind and people think oh well he only well only he only had one touchdown last week but you know this week uh, maybe the ownership's a little bit lower and gives us that opportunity to buy in a second time so uh, I think uh, that's a good point to uh, end it all on and uh, when we look through it obviously I mentioned the start uh, 4 for 4 in the DFS MVP podcast and of course roster coach as well I'll, I'll let you have the floor uh, TJ uh, any of those that you want to give a, a specific mention to here yeah, I mean, uh, just for those that that are wondering, uh, at four for four, we're definitely going to keep doing uh, the the podcast and content all the way through Championship Weekend. So. Uh, even though uh, most fantasy playoffs end this week, we still have a month of DFS left. So lots of football left to come uh, for those that that aren't playing redraft anymore. Yeah, and of course, uh, when you mentioned Championship Weekend, this is Championship Weekend for some people, but we're talking about <laughs> yep. the, the NFC and AFC Championship Weekend, which is still over a month away, so lots of fun times ahead, and particularly in DFS. So, of course, follow TJ on Twitter at TJ Hernandez. As always, check out all the rotaviz.com and Rotoviz Radio stuff as well. They're very proud to be part of that. Uh, as the season has progressed a fantastic range of uh, different uh, you know articles and different uh, podcasts up there and uh, it's just fantastic work all around so do check that out on rotoviz radio and of course uh, i'll be back next week uh, not sure of the date yet uh, i'm recording next week with george kerico you'll know him on twitter at rotohack part of the team over there at pro football focus fantasy so looking forward to talking to him next week always good having him on the podcast great talking with tj today and of course uh, with all that said and done have a good holiday week here uh, you know look after yourself have a have a good time be merry and uh, have a couple of have a couple of beers uh, <laughs> while listening to the oti podcast always a, a fun time here bringing you the show much much appreciated so cheers to you your family and uh, everyone around you and of course until i'm back uh, with another show next week have a good one thank you for listening to the overtime ireland american football podcast please follow us on twitter at overtime ireland Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.